Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour. Today, I am joined by somebody that is just a, a legend in the industry. He is a director. He is a writer. I'm going to wager that he is a collector of rare and vintage vinyls. We have the amazing Dale Peterson. You're right about the vinyls. You're right about the, the ones I, I I did pass on part of my collection to my daughter. Luckily, she took it all up and she grabbed some some of my favorites out of there, which I I, I like that she she was carrying on with that stuff. Uh, my uh, we actually my cousin and I we just had a discussion about this. Uh, our, our, our grandmother raised us well and infected us with the collectibles virus. So we each have our own things that we we have to have uh collections for and vinyl is definitely one of those things so it's it's there's just there's nothing like the feel and and just the the smell and the sound is different and you know what from 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 high school that's the only thing that's the, the item i think that survived all my moves all over the years is all my is all my records you know i always kept my records you know? It's memories. It's just it's yeah. memories pressed yeah. and and they live forever. I mean, you don't get the you don't get the joy that the the liner notes and the the, the oh my gosh, the you're just sitting and exploring a whole side. You know, like when it first comes out, it's 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 uh, magical. Well, part of your history in music, I mean, you've you've dealt with well, you've dealt with a lot of this, I, and I'm and I was trying to get a, a handle on it because there's it's really hard to figure out where to start. So I figured, why not let the person that lived it <laughs> tell us, how did you get into into doing what it is that you do? I mean, you've directed some really cool videos and dealt with a lot of neat musicians. How did you, how did you begin? Just by buying my first few cameras. And, and back when I was doing it, 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 you know, in the, in the nineties, early nineties and, and, and late eighties, um, beginning there was videotape which it, it had this kind of kind of strange strange look to it which which I, I i did like but um i originally kind of learned i bought an old russian camera and um that had this really great lens on it and um i would go shoot bands just local bands and and my so obviously my first love is music and and you know it's it's one of those things I've, I've I've heard Dave Grohl talk about it. He said when when you're going through puberty and 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 all of a sudden if you grab onto it and it becomes your thing, and it it opens up a whole new world for world for you, you're kind of in this club. You know, and and that's the only way I can explain it of what happened with, you know, my translation from from. Um, video which was really during the mtv when they actually showed videos on there um during that era was was it was just so great you know because i couldn't i i'm not i i, I can play the guitar a little bit but you know i just i love complicated music i love great music and i and i get visuals from it so and then that really translated into into me getting started in this so I, I i just went and shot bands in detroit um i had I, I had a friend who was uh in a band and um he um introduced me to to um his manager who eventually managed eminem 
and kind of that was my start right there. Well, for for those of us of a certain age that uh, remember what it was like when MTV was the big thing uh, as their only real uh, competition was VH1, which is no real competition or maybe uh, uh, much music uh, (laughs) up on the northern sides of things. There were always the videos were always really kind of interesting to see uh, the artistic take, whether it had something to do with the 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 actual writing and the song that it was about, or whether it was just you know footage of the videos themselves. But one thing that I always wondered, and I know a lot of my friends had this kind of had this kind of. Uh, question as well. I mean, you you look at movies and television shows, you have kind of an understanding of how that process goes. How do you get the actors that are going to be in there? Who's producing? Who's How do you get the director for that? But it always seemed kind of unclear how the the videos would be, end up being made for for the for the actual music that we were listening to is it is it kind of the same process or is it more of like an assignment sort of a thing it, it it's it's a different process in that in that you're dealing with um when obviously the the artist who who um when, when once um once i got to shooting where there was bigger budgets with with um with uh, record labels, the the artists you'd always come into a room, and sometimes the artists would have a whole concept of what they want to do, and and then I would try try to explain, you know, like I've listened to the song so many times, and here's the vision I get from it, and and try to try to mesh the two. But sometimes you go in, and they have no idea, and that's probably the thing that gave me the most confidence in this business is that. Um, I'd go and watch, and I'd say, "Why?" Well, I, I and these, a lot of these artists I really admired, you know, and they were. I was a fan of the band when I would go in there and 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 speak with these guys, and I would tell them my idea, and they'd go, "That's great, let's do that." And then I, it it gave me a lot of confidence, and that's how I kind of transitioned into writing then too, because. Um, that was my beginning with with the whole thing. So that's kind of how how I got started. And and it it it, it does feel when you when you um, there there just is something. And I'm sure you know what I, exactly what I'm talking about. That you feel like you're in this little club. You know, I've I've never felt you know ner- nervous about somebody being better than me. You know, I I I, I am an odd of artist, but once I get in there. They, a lot of times, you know, you're just part of the guys, you know, hanging out with them and all. In, was there any instances when you were when you were dealing with any of these uh, groups where they had a definite idea? It's like, okay, we we have our concept. We we want something to to you know be whatever, but you knew from your experience that this was never going to fly on television. And you had well, to change you, things around. Yeah, if you looked like at, at Alice in Chains at like the Jesus Christ pose, the, that that video, um, you know they they had that they they had the original idea of the of the cross spinning in there and all and all that other stuff, and then we just kind of had to 
um, piece together what their vision was. And they, that was one of those great things of using that, that video, um, actually videotape mixed with film that was edited with, that was shot half on film and it was ha shot half on tape, but they liked that look of it being chaotic like that. So, yeah, that had a, that had a fantastic, he's actually, um, and we've talked about this before, but the whole reason we even started this podcast was specifically the passing of Chris Cornell because he had such uh, an impact on both myself and, and the co-host. And, and it was, I always imagined it felt the same way that my dad felt when, uh, I don't know, uh, when Elvis died, you know, that, that right. kind of a thing. He was such a generational talent. There's, there's, there was several from that whole era that, you know, it, it just, uh, Scott Weiland, him, just, just a few of them that were just, um, it's real tragic. That's, that's just so tragic because he's, he was such a brilliant songwriter, just really just brilliant and just a super nice guy too, is, is what you can say about Well, it. and that's always what I wonder because, you know, we, we get to see through the filter of interviews and through the filter of of a very specific um, and very limited scope, uh, these people who make the things that we love. But I always wonder, you know, in the background, what were they really like? Because you get to, to deal with them in the process of actually creating those things that are clearly mm -hmm. going to be super important to them. Um, mm -hmm. what was, uh, maybe I'll ask this. What was, you said you, he, for, for example, Chris Cornell, he was a really nice gentleman. What was maybe the thing that s struck you the most about a handle? I'll just give you some names and you tell me what, what you remember most about interacting with him. We'll start with Chris Cornell then. Super nice guy, extremely creative, took all my input that when I, when I would speak to him, he had, he had a, he he liked to look back at at the the video the way the way it synced with the song too and just super nice guy sweet man that's how i would describe him what about elaine staley really great guy um i i he he was he was in and out of and if you listen to his music he was in and out of drug addiction his whole life and you know i saw him at, at some times when i more um jived with Jerry Cantrell on, uh, there and and um which that was kind of my more jive he stayed off to himself but he would when he would come out and you'd shoot him live I don't know even if he was you know a, a heroin addict at the time he came out and gave this performance that it 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 sent goosebumps up my back you know several times did he just turn it on he would just turn it on and live the song, you know, and it, it that's the only way I can describe it. So he, he's he, and that's another sad one too, right there. And you mentioned also Scott Weiland. I always, that was one of the ones that I always kind of was curious about because he seemed very soft-spoken. He he's very soft-spoken, just another nice guy. And, and um, that I, I think just kind of, <laughs> I, 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 I did see him a few times, but, um, you know, that those, it had a few small interactions with him, but yeah. So how much of the process of making the video, it, do you, it, it goes into, where does the minutiae lies? Like, is it like, well, it's about 10% talking to the band. It's about 
10% uh, brainstorming and then 80% technical difficulties. Where, where, what's the hardest part in putting together an effective and, and resonant music video? Well, they, you know, back in the day when, when the record companies had all that money, it was, it, it you know, they, they, they had huge budgets for videos, you know, and, and, and it was great. If they, I really, I always said if that, if the business had stayed the same, I probably never would have transitioned off into doing <laughs> features and other things, but I, cause I loved it so much, but the, but the business changed and the, the, the record companies, when the, whole digital thing happened they the money was just cut and anyway it's 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 um it, the whole business changed and so anyways i i would still be doing it if it wasn't that but um anyways I, was that the answer to your question really i, I don't know the the nice thing about the questions that i ask is there's no wrong answers yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's just impressions um yeah. I, I know that a lot of times with with these, uh, some of the videos are a little off the wall because, you know, you're always trying to, these bands always tried to push boundaries, whether it was uh, in, in the style that they played, trying to establish the sound that, that identified them as who they were, or whether mm -hmm. it was uh, trying to push the boundaries of what people would be able to accept. Did you ever have an instance uh, where either you, you were dealing with somebody and the subject was just, wow, that, I, I don't get what you're trying to do here. <laughs> you need to explain it to me some more or. I, I never, and that's, that's the crazy thing is I never had that problem with musicians. I've always had stuff like, and, and if they wanted me to shoot it a different way, I would try that. And, and I would show it to them. And if I said, you want me to throw that in there? And, and, you know, the, I had no problem with any of that. As long as we, as long as we had a little budget and a lot of time, I didn't mind sitting in there and listening to the song 50 times, you know, and watch them play <laughs> and shoot it. Yeah, that's, that had to have been a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, you, you, we watch these documentaries and these um, uh, historically, um, uh, these historical uh, things that often portray the music labels as, you know, like the bad guy. They're, they're the ones that are there to take advantage of the artist or, or, you know, it's big corporation or whatever. So what was it like in real life to have to deal with these, these entities, these labels? What kind of interactions did you generally have on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, just like the, just, just like the, the world I'm in now, the film business it, it is it was the record business and you would have a lot of these business guys around i happened to meet a few people that a, a manager in particular that used to manage him and a very nice guy and and really kind of like took me along and and you know introduced me to a few people but there are those business guys it was you know it was a, it was a kind of a weird business inside of that and a lot of the musicians didn't like those guys you know like they didn't like them hanging around <laughs> like at times too when they wanted to be creative <laughs> oh so going into this you know let's let's say you were um it almost feels like you're you're getting the golden ticket going into Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, being able to to work with geniuses. Was there anybody that you 
always wished that you could have made a video for that you never got the chance to work with? Well, there's a lot of bands now that I like to, I mean, I, there's just, um, I worked on the, I worked on the chili peppers video when they were just, they weren't bit, they weren't the chili peppers. They were just a small little LA band, you know, who's trying to, and we had a little bit of a budget for that song, which they thought was going to be a hit and it was. And, and, um, it, yeah, they, but, um, no, I I don't know. I'm still a fan. I go to probably I I go to probably a, a dozen concerts a year. I go to everything that comes around. I, I you know I like new music too. I you know my daughter, she she played in a band. Kept me current. I still try to stay current with what's going on and listen to new stuff. Um, I think from though from making music videos everything I've made has a little music video in it. You know, when I, when time you, you, you put a song in there and you're editing to, to the same thing and I'm shooting to that song too. So I, I still pick every bit of music that goes into everything I make. I, I, I handpick it. I like that. Uh, the chili peppers, uh, you did the, uh, under the bridge mm-hmm. video. And I remember when that song came out and I go, Oh, this is, this is different. This is this is I, I could see that 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 something special was happening. I, those are always really the, the the fun moments where you get to be introduced to to something like that for the yeah. first time. It's like you're discovering something, but it's still a shared experience because you're discovering it with everyone else that's listening to it at the same time. Right, yeah. right, yeah. And I the um when yeah and and it was. If you if you watch that video again, I was the I was the guy with the camera that was walking with him down the street, but but um, nobody knew who he was really down there at that time. You know that was before this whole thing. No, everyone just kind of and so it was a real easy. We didn't even need to pull a permit to shoot down there. We, we, he, he had that thing. He wanted to walk around. Wanted to walk around L.A. You know, he that was his idea. That's uh, that's that's kind of crazy. Um, was there any instance, uh, I'll give one more, one more music video specific kind of a a question. Was there any instance where you had, um, you had a a project you were working on for a video, uh, uh, with a band and you thought it was going to be just, just this amazingly, this is brilliant because this song is just, this is going to reach everybody. And then it's just like crickets. It's like, what's happening? Well, back, back, you know, back when all the when the record companies had all them had all that money, they were signing bands, and so there were there there were bands that I really liked, you know, that were that I thought were great, and I even I you know they paid me to go on tour a few times and shoot them live, and and they just never something would happen the guitar player would run off in the middle of the tour and then the whole band's broken up and i'm like what happened to that band that was good stuff <laughs> you know but uh yeah so there there was a few of those that and and you know there there was some sometimes the record companies would 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 you know give give you a hundred thousand dollar budget to go shoot a go shoot a music video for a band you 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 never heard of and you never will hear of you know like it was just somebody's idea. Uh, 
they'll they'll, do, they'll they'll take those chances. Let's roll the dice. Right. This is going to be the next Nirvana. I swear. Yes. Oh <laughs> uh, oh man. So all right. So what caused the shift? The industry changed. You said they went to digital, and it kind of forced yeah. something to happen. What was that? It yeah. It 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 kind of the like I said. It, for I'll give you the instance for that. So if they would give you a hundred thousand dollars to shoot a music video for for that band that they were giving you in the nineties or or whatever for this small band, and and then all of a sudden they started going, well, this guy over here is going to do it for sixty, and then they start going, this guy over, and then you start thinking, well, I can't make any money doing this anymore. You know? So I kind of just started writing my own stuff. I had. Um, several people interested in some stuff that I had written to earlier, and um, I I made a I made a short film. This 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 film hard to come by, and and we we um, won the Manhattan Film Festival, um, and an, a Los Angeles Film Festival too in the same year, and that kind of changed things. And and people started looking at my scripts and stuff, and then on you know that that's when everything changed so but you've also done some some work with documentaries too so you've you kind of you've got um, a wide berth of experience whether it's between yeah. you know, fiction or fact oh yeah yes yes at the kind of near the end of the i i did go shoot the um I, sh I shot the wolf in in getting released in in yellowstone for national geographic and um that was that was pretty great camping out there in the woods and and uh watching those wolves get released with they they did this whole indian ceremony around it so in that that Man. that was fantastic and it just it's it always makes me wonder you know you hear about actors being kind of like typecast in a specific role do you ever find that that happens with whether it be directors or cinematographers or writers do you ever do you ever feel like that could uh, that happens to people because it doesn't it looks like you've got you know the the ability to kind of sidestep and be able to to make what it is that that gives you joy do you ever see some people's like well that's the action director there that he always does action films well i i think i think my real wheelhouse is is kind of um poignant comedy but yeah, um, I do have i have scripts that that go from everything i have a i have a um super bad script like um kind of high school movie script i, I have a a, a uh um a sci-fi um christmas movie that uh, you know that nice. uh was going to be made right before covid that's still on hold right now so but I, and then i had this series this series was the one everyone liked during covid and and i started you know, I developed the script and, and the series a little bit better. And then a lot more people were interested. We got some producers on, involved and um, to the point where it is now. And, and so. Well, I'm definitely going to, I'm definitely going to come back to that. Cause I, I, I have, I have questions, <laughs> but uh, sure, sure, sure. so, all right. So I, I want to touch on documentaries uh, kind of again for a moment. One of the documentaries that, um, I saw that you did had to do with uh, the the homeless situation in the 90s. 
How did yes. how did that kind of come to pass? Was it something that you just kind of saw happening? And goes like, well, this needs to be addressed, or or was was there some other kind of uh, situational uh, alignment of planets that kind of came together to make that happen? Um, that that's interesting. My 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 father always volunteered when I was a kid. Like he volunteered for for like he was a, every week he was this this volunteer probation officer, and and when when I moved out here, the homeless problem had had kept get, getting worse and worse every year. And then I met this guy who did this did this um, feeding program down at, down on Skid Row, and he invited me to go with him once, and I I started going every Tuesday for about six years and then that was my first intro and when so when i was doing those those other videos and stuff i would i understood what was going on down there a little bit and i i took a camera and made it made a little documentary about it when you when you address such a, a prevalent problem that has such an impact on so many people um how do you feel that it's impact did you see an impact uh, on whether it be an adjustment on how local ordinances were done or did you see some sort of a a political reaction that that made things better or did did it seem to fall on deaf ears you know it 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 did get picked up and and it did get a distributor the 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 documentary but the i don't know that it it you know i i did show what was going on down there and and um you know it's it the the problem hasn't changed at all i mean the, really it's the same problem and and listen and this is my i it's 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 not statistical but just being in that environment it 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 it's mental health and drug issues there's a certain percentage that are fall through the crack that use some of those feeding programs down there and but that's that's basically what what the documentary was about, and it it's the same now though. It's it it really is. There's a mental health crisis. They need to probably just you know, it, back in the '70s, California, and I, I'm I'm going to get just it, this isn't political at all, but California had a great had had a great mental health system, and and um, they, when when they cut that when they cut the mental health and closed those hospitals. That's what started the whole thing out here is, is they spilled. And to this day, it never got back to what it was before, you know, and, and, and so I think that addressing just the mental health issue, is, it would be huge in, in trying to solve a lot of that. And it's always something that I wonder because we see a lot of people that are trying to trying to shine a light on problems that need to be addressed that that are, are really serious and and generally the i feel like the Repub- republic we're in the republic now that the public is receptive to to uh, what the plight and what's going on but i always wonder cuz we're so separated from everything from each other uh and i was always like well what what happened you know i saw this yes it's a problem and then it feels like you don't hear anything and then nothing really happens or maybe something does happen. You just can't see it. 
So I, I, when you create such a piece like like what you did with that documentary, I always it's, it's like well that's clearly something that was super important and, and everything. And I w- always wonder it's like how how you know ten years later, twenty years later, what mm-hmm. what the situation is if it had gotten better or if it was still kind of having the same issues. It it has had. A lot. I think right now that they they are addressing a lot of a, a lot of those issues in 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 our city at least L.A. But um, it, it's gotten a lot better in the last year and a half, two years, and they they are they are focusing on the mental health issue of it. So that's that's where it kind of stands now. I it, as far as I see. Well, on the positive side, I mean, you have definitely had for sure a, a positive impact in terms of, of perception uh you know the the little plaque on your uh i guess on your left shoulder behind you uh talking about uh hello my name is frank and the 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 perception of what somebody with with Tourette's is like and and the res, um, the response from people that have the have the same affliction and and being very positive overall, I I thought that was really kind of cool. How did you how did you come into working on that particular project? Well, I I had a script. I I had a script about it. it very very strange thing. I I write for three hours every day, um, and I. At one time I was picking up my daughter from, from school and these girls came out from high school and they were graduating and they were going on this road trip and they were in the car next to me and I just sit there and listen and I thought, this sounds really cool. <laughs> Went home and made some notes about a road trip and then I I was gonna was gonna do it with one of the girls having a a um a father who had PTSD, but then just at the same time when I was writing it, I saw this documentary about this man who had Tourette's in England. And and it was such a great documentary because at the end of the documentary, the 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 main character who had Tourette's, he did over he he, he still had it very bad, you know, to where he would he would flail inside of a store or uh, have these outbursts. And they showed it through the documentary. But at the end he said, look at things could be worse. I have a job. I, I, I have a house and he just, it was so positive. I thought, Oh my gosh, it's such a champion story. So I threw that in with this, a little bit of that in with this. And then I made a movie that, that won a bunch of stuff. So. Well, I, I have to say that, uh, I, I'm, I'm fully supporting on, on definitely some of the casting with that, with uh, Mary Kate Wiles in there. She's just an absolute gem. Uh, oh, I just she's 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 a friend. She's you know, and from from that time I shot that that whole cast, those girls were just I, I were just fantastic. And I when I was casting it, I always wanted the girls to be friends and get get along together, and and they did, and it was it was just amazing, the the cast and the chemistry with those with those girls. Yeah, she's 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 something else. I've always whoops, I've always enjoyed the uh the work that she's done and just kind of has a she has a brightness of her personality and if uh, I I was I was I have to admit I was a little surprised when we talked to her on the show. It's like, well, she's she's really a source of positivity, which is just wonderful. Yeah, see here's what I, I 
you know, she's, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I have two extra tickets for the, for the, uh, for the premiere on Friday, but I'm going to text her when I get off and just, you just brought her up in my mind to, to go and see if she'll, she'll come over there and say hi, you know, that night and, and watch it. But she's great. She's, I just, I, she's, and she's just as sweet as person as, as you see on, on the screen. She's the best. Yeah. She's absolutely the best. Yeah. I saw it. It just seems like, it seems like that's it. If you want a kind of a wholesome, feel good kind of a film, that's a that's a good one to choose to watch for sure. She's got great comedic timing too, and just she's she's a very good actress. Um. So, also, I wanted to kind of touch on something else that uh, that you that you worked on that just kind of piqued my interest a little bit because just of an individual that was involved in the production of it, <laughs> the executive production, I saw that one of the, one of the things that you worked on was uh, called Halo of My Coffee and uh, that, that it was uh, mm -hmm. executive produced by Steve Martin. Yes. So, okay. So first of all, uh, just the giddiness in my mind, just thinking of, this legend of comedy and and this document uh, this documentary on um uh poets and musicians i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to congeal those two things together <laughs> and it's and it's not it's not happening so how how did you come to uh, come to do this what is this documentary about i haven't i haven't seen it yet and it sounds fascinating a friend of mine had had come to me and 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 told me his idea and how he wanted to produce it. And he he said he um, he knew it, he'd know Steve Martin had this idea and he approached him with the idea about financing it. And it, it basically was that when when Starbucks it, back in the in the nineties and it, it it still is there there are places in L.A. where where, where it hasn't it hasn't gone away but back in the 90s there were small coffee houses that you could that you'd go in there and any night of the week you'd hear i i remember hearing um uh kirk cobain talk about the, you know he came down he played at this at this coffee house that was in that was in that film and you'd see these great little bands come come through there and and they were kind of getting swallowed up by there's be a Starbucks on the corner. And then all of a sudden this place was going out of business here because they couldn't compete with them, you know? And, and uh, so there, that was, that was the whole point of the documentary, but also we went around for this short period of time and, and just videotaped some great artists. So there were some great artists inside that documentary, um, great local artists at the time. That just sounds like, it sounds like a dream to me, just being able to be in the presence of uh, some of these people that that really are so brilliant and get to. Yeah, I that's you know, and that's really I, the first time I I went to went to spoken word night out here, and you know, like where there's there was these great poets, you know, like really like really older guys who had just been doing it forever, and it was amazing. Sometimes you forget. Or maybe forget is the wrong word. Maybe, you know, we all we all get to hear the music, so we we understand music and we understand the impact that it can have on us. But it sometimes feels like with the the shrinking of the uh, emphasis of the arts in school, in terms of uh, mm -hmm. high school and even to a certain extent to uh, the college experience, 
we lose touch with the impact that other things can have. I And I just got reminded of it the other day. Uh, I was at uh, an Indianapolis Indians game, and they were celebrating um, – they were celebrating the the, the Negro Leagues uh, that were preexistent, and you know the the contributions that they did, and they had a, a spoken word, a bit of poetry at the beginning in, in relation to the experiences that they had. It's like, yeah, it's like I, sometimes you forget. All you need is content, cadence, emphasis, uh, and it's just and it's just. Uh, it can be just mildly mind-expanding for a moment. You, you get a glimpse into a different perspective that you don't have. Right. I, I totally understand that. So talking about expanding your mind and, and thinking differently, um, in Through the Outdoor, it's science fiction. It's horror. Yes. I want to know... I want to know Historical more. Historical fictional thriller would be the exact <laughs> three words. <laughs> tell tell me about it. I am I am I am on I'm on the edge of my seat. I I need to I need to know what is this about? It's it's about to be it's about to be revealed to the world on the thirtieth. What am I What am I to expect? Um. Well, it's it's there was there was a book. Um, that was a New York Times bestseller that a lot of people in your area and in, in the Midwest know. And it's it, it's called um, it's called Devil in the White City. And it's it's a uh, it was a book about America's first serial killer who was in Chicago in 1893, and and um, he owned a, he built a hotel with over 40 different secret passages and and hidden rooms inside the hotel and and uh he could come in your room in the middle of the night you'd never know it so that i that's the just the whole story of it kind of fascinated me with this with this guy back in that in that time he was a actual he was actual medical doctor um so i did have this i did have this idea of i checked out what happened to that hotel and then i saw well what if somebody now had bought it so that's where my fictional part of the story comes is that a a, a young tech entrepreneur um is getting married but he he on a whim he decides this hotel is going to be torn down he knows the history behind it but it's beautiful and he just he's he can't see it torn down so he buys it and his his fiance isn't very pleased with it but but anyways they both um uh, they he he goes and finds this time machine hidden in the basement of the of the uh there and it was built in 1893 in the secret room and he he reads this book and the only thing that they're missing from making the time machine work in 1893 was was lithium which he has in his phone <laughs> so he he fools around with the whole thing and him and his uh, fiance there are, get sucked back into 1893 through through the through the outdoor <laughs> Fun. and uh and and they're they're in 1893 and they're going to have to figure a way back in 
either into that hotel and um, figure how they're going to get back to their present day. So back to the future with a serial killer involved. <laughs> right. And it, and it was inside of series and inside of mixed, and I've, I've written it with, with the, the, the series with a lot of history too, with the, with actual events that took place in, in this guy's life. He was actually at the end of the day, he was convicted of 13 murders, wow. which, and, but he probably did, he, he probably did way more than that too. So, What was something but, that surprised you in your research for this whole thing? You're going through the, all the, all the history of everything. Was there something that popped out that you would not have expected to be true? That was true or some rumor or theory that was just out beyond the pale. Yeah, there, there's a lot, there was a lot of written about this guy after, after he got, caught you know like and and people had found but it was just he he was just a a, a really a, a sadistic serial killer and just with he 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 came from a rich family and he he went to he, as a, he he became a doctor at university of michigan but he there he was he was um he he was caught selling the cadavers that they were supposed to use <laughs> and doing you know it's just right away he's trouble you know like, yeah. and so then he moved to chicago and and started this whole thing and yeah he was a bad guy so yeah so the, i think the tension with with this with this young couple coming in and and their 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 relate i didn't make everything rosy their, their relationship isn't the best when they go there either so they have to figure out how to get back that sounds like a lot of fun now are you a fan of science fiction yourself I, I am okay. I, I I love I love old I I love the original Time Machine, the H.G. Wells. You know, they kind of with the those were those back then. Those were great effects, but <laughs> the monsters and everything. It's it's still great because you could well sure. I mean, we we're spoiled with the the CGI that we have today and the effects, but mm-hmm. ultimately you get to see the ingenuity that the people did what they could do at the time with what they had and still get their idea across. And sometimes, even though it wasn't in any way realistic, it just had a kind of, um, I don't know if joy is the right word, but just had an emotional um, impact that you don't get with current day stuff. Yeah, that was that that was shot in I think in 1960 about right about there but the the um I I took a writing class at at UC at, at UCLA years ago and and the, on the last class they were the, we we studied the we studied the planet of the apes mm. and kind of how that script was was the dynamic of that script and how it was written and so the very last class they were going to actually show show the planet of the apes and um the i i near the end of the movie i go out to use the restroom and i see charlton heston out there he came he he watched them he he stood in the back and watched the movie and um and got we got to go up and and he he answered questions at the end of the movie about how making that movie but the but yeah, the reason I was telling you about it with the special effects is is his whole thing with the with the special effects was that he couldn't he couldn't convince any studio that he could make a a a human look like an ape 
convincingly enough for them to they thought it would it it would just be so he had to pay for his own screen test to get the right makeup artist to make that whole thing look right before they would give him the money to make the make the film those practical effects that you can get on some uh, some films just just are are stunning they're beautiful works of art in and of themselves. I just, I just love how they pulled that all off with, and and with real, with no special effects, you know, really with just with with makeup artists and and just the way they would swing the camera during those fights and just, you know, it was, it, it's really great. <laughs> That's one of my favorite films, actually. Yeah, the the practical effects will always have a, a spot in my heart. I know I tell everybody. You know, whether they're horror fans or not, it's like, okay, you've got to see American Werewolf in London. Uh, even mm-hmm. if you do, if you, even if you don't really like werewolves or anything that like that, but That's just, a great one. just the, the effects, you got to see it for the effects, if nothing else. And remember that when it was made and it's just like, keep that in mind and, and the joy about it. Um, well, go ahead. Let me, one other, one other thing about, um, in through the outdoors, I shot this at a great studio here with with the there's there's this um, guy who who was an, an art director for um, Star Wars. His name's Fawn Davis, and for and for um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, he did he he the studio for um, MythBusters was over at, at his studio. So he started this studio called Fonko, and it is an amazing. They built eleven sets for me. He built our time machine, um, you know, Fawn Davis, the, the, the guy, and it, it's, it, it was just fantastic working with a guy like that. And so That's I did cool. all, I, I, I didn't use any green screen, everything in there. I did practically, you know, with practical effects. I have to imagine that a lot of the, a lot of the, um, the dynamic and, and a lot of the, the, the tonal, um, impact I, I'm having not seen it or anything yet. It's got to be a lot of lighting. It's just all about the lighting. It's it's a ton of lighting. It's it's you know it it they they built this you know he he built the hotel of you know the killer. He built the, the, a torture room. <laughs> just he built all this. Built the time machine down in the basement. You know in this in and and it was just is it, it fantastic yeah and it, it 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 looks especially when you go back there so i it, when you do see it in the future you you'll notice that i didn't do the exact uh, uh, um 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 wizard of oz thing where you know you got sepia in the beginning and then right. it goes to color but you do see a difference in color in the film when it goes back when they go back in time ah uh, so you do a bit of a wash a little bit wash make and i i i actually and and here's a little uh, i'll tell you a little trick that the, there's actually um footage from that era um original footage that they've colorized now and i and we took a little bit of that and 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 squeezed it in there and it looks great <laughs> it's those little tricks that that always make me just just giddy in some way and i guess i should ask that i mean this is not directly on on point for the specifically about in through the outdoor but through your career what do you have any tricks that you've come across that you would just i would never have thought about doing something this way but i just kind of happened into x and it makes something 
better. Do you have anything like that to share with um, up and comers? Yeah, just I, 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 I think if um, the best thing I ever did was buy buy a camera when when I was young, you know, and and get and just and just start going out and, and shooting it myself and figuring out. I, I did I I did go to take um, a few AFI classes, extension classes, just like I did with UCLA as far as writing, just to make sure I was on the right track with with structure. But in a lot of ways, I'm self taught. You know, like I just I I, I cause it went through the school of hard knocks, you know, and, and really tried to there's a you you learn a lot when you're when you're sent on a on a on a low budget tour with a band and and you're riding in a van with a bunch of guys and you're you know for, for 10 hours a day to show up to the next city and to the next show and then jump out and kind of learn learn how to fix equipment that may have may or may not have been doused in beer at some point. Yes. Turn your day into night where you, you know, you get, you get back to the hotel about four o'clock, everyone sleeps till about noon. And then you go have this big breakfast lunch thing. And then we're traveling again to the next place and then get there, do a sound check. And then the whole, every day's like that, you know, when you're on tour with some of those bands. Man, that, that had to have been, that had to have been something, something that was just, just fun to experience. What what do you think is the hardest part? Seeing the the, the life that uh, uh, a musician will lead, going from from city to city, it seems like an adventure. You know, to someone like you know myself that doesn't get to travel so much. What does it feel like that for very long, or does it kind of wear thin uh, as they're they're kind of performing the same stuff? I was lucky because I could go on it for two to three weeks and jump in there. But I can see, especially the guys you get in a band with, it's a family, and and you got you have this family dynamic where people get don't get along, and people argue, and people get on other people's nerves, and it, you know the it, the the greatest the greatest band the the, the Beatles. They couldn't get along at the end. They it just it, it, it they they rubbed each other the wrong way. Even though you're, <laughs> and and you see people do that, and it's been the demise of so many good bands. I think, yeah, just that, that little rub. And you know, sometimes you, you know, like like uh, like Guns and Roses, you have to get somebody in there that's going to say, "Hey, look at you guys." just get back together and do you're 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 good together really you know and let's put all this stuff aside yeah uh, that that definitely seems about right and it, it that's proximity makes the makes things interesting <laughs> so yeah. when you're together for it, that it was, long but i had some of the best times of my life on tour with bands it, i just i had some of the best times just hanging out really till four in the morning with those guys and and just yeah that's that's just uh, I'm I'm going to be thinking about that I think for the next several days because it just it it brings up such dreamy concepts to me all all the things that I wish I could have done at that time when I was not in a position to do so you know the the dream concerts that you didn't get to see the first Lollapalooza or something like that it's like oh well, yeah and there was I saw a lot of those those bands that would you know you'd you'd pass them on the road or or all of a sudden this band's playing with this band that night and there was the you know those 2000 there was there was um a place in indianapolis kind of by you i can remember going to a few times that was like it it was wasn't a vfw hall but it was a hall 
that was kind of right outside the city. I think I know which one you're talking about. Uh, there was, um, it was a, like an armory, like a. Yes, yes, it was an. It, it was, and and they had a they had a stage there, and to get about two thousand kids in there. And... I actually saw my first concert there. Um, I, I went to see Oasis play. Uh, at, at oh, that, right. uh, the, the, yeah, that was that era. That yeah. was that era. Yeah, I, I've told the story many times, and it's one of my favorites. And it's it shows that even even bad things can't dissuade you from good music because the uh, the Tyndall Tyndall Armory is what it was, and uh, so that you know, sounds right. They had like they had a cover, they're not cover band, but they had you know an opener that I'd never heard of. And we get there, and the lighting isn't great for this and whatever, and we don't know who the opener is, and they're okay. It's like, but I'm waiting, so it'll be all right because Oasis is awesome. They're going to come on. The openers finish, and it takes 15 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour goes by. As things are getting set up, it's like, come on, let, let, let's keep going here. Let's 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 get to it. Everything's finally done. Oasis comes out, and they sound fantastic. There, I mean, it's the, this this wall of sound. It's everything that you could you could hope for from it. Now, at, at the Armory, you could not have bottles or cans or anything. It was all plastic cups and things for that for for the drinks that you would get for whatever and as the as the first song finishes they're going into the second song i think it's right about in the middle of the second song somebody throws an empty cup that uh misses the the lead singer doesn't hit him uh he stops singing flips off the crowd and walks off the stage <laughs> and the rest of the band's just standing there playing oh, him. <laughs> they're not, not sure what's happening eventually they wind down golf stage end of concert <laughs> it was uh <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so uh, him. yeah yep back in that day that was him yep yep, yep. so it, it's it's in retrospect a fantastic story but uh <laughs> not a great first concert um yeah no. Oh, okay, so I, I got to ask a couple questions that I ask everybody that we have on the show. A lot of what we do on Everybody Loves Pudding, we often talk about the intersection of uh, comics with television and, and film and things like that. So I have to ask, are you by any chance a comic book fan? No. no, I, I, you know what, I, I do love, I, do, I, I do love comics in, in general, but I'm not, I'm not a Superman collector type, type comic book fan or anything like that. No, I, my, my daughter got me a little into anime type comics, but besides that, no, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Well, let's say, let's say the, the plan again, the planets align. Uh, Marvel's looking for their next big director. They 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 like to get people that aren't necessarily uh, directors that you would often think of for a comic book film because they want a different take. They want a different feel. And they go, hey, hey, Peterson, <laughs> we want yes. you to direct uh, a film. We've got a whole slate of options coming up here in the next couple of years. If you were to direct a comic book film, since you're not a comic book fan, I'm not going to ask about specific characters, but what kind of comic book film, what what spin on it would you put that maybe you haven't seen from other films that have come out? 
Wow, that's a that's a super interesting question because I do I I I love a lot of the series. I love the Batman series. I love the I, I love the Spider Man you know movies and um I I I just I but boy I I you know like that last that that last thing with the metaverse type thing that was a different type of spin that somebody put on it. But I I. I would like to think about that and put some other spin on it, but because I kind of did like that they did put a little different spin on it, you know, and got you thinking outside the box with it. But um, boy, what kind of spin? Besides making it making it too formulaic, and I I wouldn't make it too formulaic, probably. No, no. I always wonder, like, well, I'd do a comic book film, but I'd make it a spaghetti western or. A comic book film that turns into, you know, a slapstick comedy, and you never see it coming. Things like that. So, oh yeah, yeah. Or put 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 a lot more comedy in it, or something like that. Like so, that. So there's there's where she go. You, you, there's there's something you should you should pitch. There is a Marvel character called Slapstick specifically. He's uh, kind of a clown character. Think uh, Bugs Bunny, kind of defying reality, sort of a thing. But it's also kind of serious at the same time and that's that's what he's capable of doing there's there's where you should go you could put you could do anything with that make hey, it into I just, wrote the, I just wrote the name down here slapstick i got it i'm gonna <laughs> check <laughs> i like i like the name it's, it's a lot of fun uh, there's there's so much so much that can be done with it i don't know if there will okay well let's try something a little more mainstream then um i've, I've just started doing this question for everybody because I, I think it has a lot of uh fun imagination behind it uh you're walking uh you're walking down the street you go into a coffee shop you go uh to your table somebody has left uh, a genie lamp on your table and you're you know nobody's claiming it and you 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 clean it off and lo and behold into the seat across from you a genie appears and he's able to grant three wishes now the thing is this genie uh has spent a lot of time in hollywood and uh his his wishes are very specific. He can't give you money. Uh, he can't give you uh, superpowers. But what he can do is find a way for you to be able to work with anybody that you would love to work with. Who would you choose and why? Wow. Um, there's just so many. There's so many great actors. Um Jeez, I you know as as far as a director, I I'd love to I'd love to I'd be on the set of Quentin Tarantino's movie, one of one of his films. I'd like I I know how he directs. I know I kind of have studied him a little bit, but I would I'd do anything on his set he'd want me to do just to just to be there and observe him. Um, he, he's the he's he's the guy too that also, um he picks he picks all the guys that he wants to work with too and he he gets some great actors in there and i think that the that that his scripts you know draw draw in those actors too so but for me as far as as, as far as somebody to work with boy man i I just I, I I there's so many talented actors. I love the classic De Niro's, and I, I've always wanted to walk work with Dustin Hoffman. I mean, even though he's older now, but I, any of those classic guys, those would probably be my I wish, you know, like to 
to work with a Pacino or a, or, or a De Niro or, or somebody along that line. I think in, 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 in along that same line, you know, even though he's, he's, he's a pretty boy and he gets labeled that a lot, I think Brad Pitt's a fantastic actor. It seems like everything he touches just kind of turns to gold because uh, yeah. he takes it yeah. seriously and adds a certain level of charisma. He's, he's definitely in a, in a number of my favorite films. And as far as Tarantino goes, he, he has a clear reverence for what came before. You can see yeah. the films that he references in his work. And it's just, you know, it's just really nice to, to see that pass down from generation to generation. Well, and also, and, and I think along the same line of that question is that, is that I, I'm lucky that, that we do have a good theater, little the, smaller theater community in, in LA, you know, 99 seat theaters that, that are in there. And I see a ton of really good actors that have not become famous yet. And then some I, that, that, I, I love and all of a sudden one one happened recently, but I, I have seen a lot that all of a sudden they'll, they'll get this they'll get this his name's Graham Sibley. I've used him on a few few of my thing, but he's he's a great character actor. Then he just got he got the role of Lincoln in in the uh, in in the series and it kind of and then now he's on a, he's on another series right now called called Good Trouble. Um nice. uh, series. But it's it it he really that guy stuck it out for a long time and and now it finally happened. But I see that a lot. And so there there is a bunch of those actors, and I'm I am lucky that I I do get to work with a lot of those actors that and that that I that I see work. There are a lot um, of beautiful people with a lot famous. of talent. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, like I getting back to Mary Kate. I think she she's one too that is just. I, I think she's such a great talent and um but uh and she she just got fairly she was did fairly odd pe people um that she got that little little thing for a little bit and um but she is just such a fantastic actress actress and i i always wish great things for her yeah, yeah. she is she is she is just awesome i always i always yeah. love to see when when so i i i almost felt like i i let out a little squee when i when i heard about the fairly odd parents like yes yes that is exactly where she should be <laughs> uh well i want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today it has been yeah, I can just a fascinating little little glimpse into into what it is that that you've done in the past and what you're doing now but what i need for sure for our listeners they they want to keep if uh they want to see what you're doing next what is the best way that they can find this out do you have a social media that you tend to favor or is there a website they go to they go okay this is what mr peterson is going to be doing next yeah i do i do kind of announce things on on uh, there's magic tp films on instagram um, but besides that, at my my IMDb page, you know, is is regularly updated with stuff I'm doing too. So, um, yeah, IMDb is a is a fantastic tool. Maybe yes. th they should they should sponsor us. <laughs> they absolutely should. <laughs> I agree. All right. Well, thank you again for taking your time to talk with us. When you have your next project, we would love to have you back to tell us about it. And uh, so we can it's great spread talking the word. with another music fan. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Ken. We'll thank see you, you again. All right. Bye.